Hey, what up, Pat? What's up, John? How you doing? Um, you put your skateboard away. <laughs> I got too much. Uh, the haters are talking. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> it's Conversating Episode 6. We got a very special guest today. Uh, shouts to my man, DJ Halo, a.k.a. Halloween. He came by the studio. He is a uh, he's a good friend. He's a DJ, videographer, documentarian. Uh, he was up here in San Francisco to DJ um, Jay Dilla Day. Uh, which was last week with Shortcut and Rich Medina. So thankfully, he had some time to drop by the studio and just chat with us. Yeah, we talk a little about his history, uh, his time spent on the seminal public access TV show, Distortion Aesthetic, which was a TV show in the early 2000s covering the Bay Area hip-hop music scene. Uh, we also talk about his uh, work with the Beats Rhymes in Life nonprofit organization, which is an organization specializing in the use of hip hop as a form of therapy. Talking about his work, we weave through larger issues such as uh, the psychology of an artist, you know, the mental aspects that go into that, and also the importance of just having a community. I think the core principles of these things are really the driving force. You know, for example, DJing. Um, for me, the core principle—it's—it's it's sharing music and serving people. Like that's my—that's my motto when it comes to DJ. And I think like when it starts to get away from that, like that's when it starts to, you know, maybe it's something that I don't want to do anymore, you know. And you know, but but I think like ultimately, it's it's sustainability when it comes to like artistic ventures or like writing, you know, things like, like I want things that it's like these things will always represent me, you know. Yeah, we had a really good time uh, conversating with Halo and uh, could have easily gone over two hours if we all had the time, um, which was kind of a surprise to me since uh, that was actually my first time meeting him. Um, he was just like a really, really thoughtful guy. I mean, what did you say, John? Yeah, not to speak for you, Pat, but I'm sure we left here feeling motivated and inspired. And hopefully it translates when you listen at home or, you know, on your commute as well. So shouts to everyone that's been listening to the podcast so far. Uh, if you enjoy it, Please tell a friend to tell a friend. Otherwise, Patrick, uh, you about ready to get this podcast started? Let's do it. Come on, y'all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you worked at Bleacher Report, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, I could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very loose. <laughs> I can get raw, man. Yeah. Which I which I am interested in about. But I remember when John hit me up earlier this week, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, like my homie Halo's in town. Like maybe we can get him on the podcast." Blah blah. blah. And then I was like, "Where do I know that name from?" And then it was like, it wasn't just one thing. It was like. A bunch of different things, oh, you know, because like obviously you used to DJ or you still DJ. Yeah. And then like. I'm assuming it's, I'm assuming it's live now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, so um, let, me, let me get the cool voice on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the late night jazz voice. Yeah. Got it. But then I was like, oh, wait. And then he also did the Beats, Rhymes and Life thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like, I remember I read your bio on your website and I was like, oh, shit. Distortion is static. Holy fuck. <laughs> Which, word, word, word. if I'm honest, like I, I don't remember exactly what capacity you're working in. I just remember like that being a part of my early years, you yeah. know, like getting into music, getting into hip hop and things like that. And then I was like kind of bugged out because I was like, oh, man, like I didn't even know you did all this other stuff with like video production right, and right. all that. So what, what I really want to get to is just talking about those different disciplines and then maybe we can weave into certain projects that you highlighted, like, you know, the Roy Ayers thing, mm -hmm. um, the Beats Rhymes Alive thing maybe a little bit about distortion aesthetic, whatever, you know, like kind of just talk about those disciplines and like how you've navigated through those different mediums. Cause now it's like, you're not just a DJ, you're not just a videographer, mm -hmm. uh, producer, you're also a photographer now too. So it's yeah. just like, that's interesting to me to see like how someone's mind works when it's a visual project, if it's an audio project, if it's a video project, you know, right, right. cause I'm the same way. John's the same way too, you know? That's dope. Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys doing the back history and, and oh, yeah. really doing the research on the things that I've done because 
because yeah, sometimes I forget, uh, and a lot of the times it's 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 just if it's not out there, you know, because so much of what we do is like on Instagram, on Facebook. It's, yeah, you know, people like to broadcast what they do, and it's like sometimes I don't know if people know what I've done, right? Or or you right. know, or because I maybe I didn't get paid for some of the stuff that I was doing, or I didn't get acknowledgement and sometimes I feel like it's not valid you know mm-hmm. right um, you know because if you know distortion of static was you know oh that was a tech company that I sold for you know yeah. this amount this amount <laughs> of money then you know it would be something I'd be a lot more like I'd, I'd brag about a lot more but yeah. yeah it was something that was a lot of fun met so many great people and it and it kind of fizzled out yeah uh, I, I wish it would have ended a little differently but like I'm grateful for the years yeah. that I spent, but I think as a result of the way it ended, I think a lot of people don't really celebrate it as I feel like it should be celebrated. It's different. I think it kind of like, to me, from a viewer standpoint, it sort of came about in like um, an in-between phase, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like there wasn't any social media back then, you know what I mean? Right, so I think right. in a way that highlighted the importance of, of a public access show like Distortion Aesthetic because you had to find shit. I mean, yeah. like we've talked about this before on the podcast, just like these like old school notions of like sharing content. Yeah. And um, that was one of them. But then at the same time, you have no digital record of it, so yeah. to speak. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no like tweet with like a million likes on it. Or anything. Right, <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. And Not that that matters. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think that is the validation that people look for now are those likes and retweets you know it's like yeah that shows you that oh people like what i'm doing you know right right and it's funny because it's like i see people doing things that say i would have done back then or things that we were doing and it's like the validation is there for them and sometimes it just makes me feel like damn was i born in the wrong era like if we would have done distortion static later like you know but it's really tough because we did it at an unusual time when we saw this huge shift in technology, you know, right. and right. Um, because Ariel and I, we, we pretty much started what was Distortion Aesthetic, and that started out of us going to college together. I mean, it was Ariel's idea, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to do a, a television show or he wanted to do a Bay Area documentary or some. He wanted to document Bay Area hip hop, you know, that was yeah. his thing because him and his brother, they spent time in the Bay. Um, they were born in New York, but they spent their, you know, developmental years right. in the Bay. And me being a avid hip hop fan back then, I mean, back then it was it was everything to me. You know, everything right. I did was related to hip hop in some sort of way. Um, I mean, there was a shift in technology. Like you're right, saying. right, right, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. when we graduated college, that was two thousand one. Yeah, and people don't realize like when YouTube started popping. Like YouTube right. was still a couple years away from oh, yeah. being you know totally place. You know, yeah, and like. You know, we have the public access TV show, San Francisco Public Access, Channel mm-hmm. 29, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is when we still have the, the four by three aspect ratio, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, and, and you're techie over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was really a lifetime ago, you oh, know. Oh, totally. And I remember we used to have meetings, and this is pretty far into D2S. This is maybe like a couple, a year, this is a year or two into D2S. We were thinking like, dang, how are we going to stream this on, like, how are we going to stream it on our site? Yeah. yeah. You know, and like, I mean, now it's like, how do you stream it? It's like, shit. Just you can, upload like, it. Not stream Let's get your it. phone out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure you got a signal. Yeah. You can do it live. You can do all that. But but back then, like, we were thinking about how do we stream it? And then we're yeah. like, you know, oh, there's one company. They could do it, but they have to set up a back end and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, you know, shit. It, it was like a process, you know? YouTube came in. I think YouTube really started to, like, become commonplace, like, maybe, oh, Four maybe like that's like three. when it, I think that's like when it jumped off probably right, but then right. it didn't really become commonplace another couple of years right so you were still still, a, still, still like way years. way ahead of that yeah because yeah. all the all the uploads from them were like you know one forty four bit rate where it's like, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like little squares <laughs> moving around yeah. Actually. <laughs> but that that's when like you had like full movies on YouTube like it was yeah. the wild west like there was no copyright <laughs> restriction yeah because this is a little bit of a tangent but the thing that's so cool about YouTube is that or technology in general, or these aspects of technology, is that they constantly reinvent themselves, you know? Right. Like, YouTube, it was like, okay. Like, I remember my friend told me, he's like, yo, YouTube, you can find any hip-hop video on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, shit, really? So, yeah. so, you know, looking at hip-hop videos. And then it was like, oh, you could play albums on there. So it's like, oh, you could just, people, <laughs> people just listening to music on there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the tutorials. And then, you know, the ladies are doing beauty tips. And then, like, the, you know, now they're doing, like, like box openings and shit, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, yo, watch me open this box of Supreme. And, yeah. you know, it's like, and that <laughs> shit gets millions of hits. Yeah. So it's like, 
it's just crazy how it's like YouTube just always kind of reinvents itself. But would you like, say that was YouTube or like just the people that use YouTube? Well, I mean, let me let me piggyback yeah. off that though. Mm-hmm. You guys, when you guys were doing public access, that was like the YouTube of that era. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like you were talking about like, oh, people doing unboxing videos and tutorial videos and all this stuff on that's popular on YouTube now. I mean, weren't there like you know, grandma chefs doing public access shows <laughs> back in the day though. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's it like, Wayne's world. Yeah. Wayne's yeah, world. Right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you guys were a little bit before the whole YouTube internet streaming thing, but mm-hmm. a lot of what you were still doing was still inherently the same principles of people creating content now. Definitely. And it was there. Had you guys done just like, you know, a VHS tape and then you'd have it like really, I mean, that's how old, maybe a DVD <laughs> or something like, maybe like, you guys had like a DVD series or something like that. It's a little more limited, but then like it being on public access, it's like, I didn't know anything about hip hop back then, but right. it was just like, it was there. Like yeah. I turned the TV on and it was there. That's a window into it that I probably couldn't have had if I lived anywhere else, you know? Yeah. Or maybe it would have turned on to something else. Probably Wayne's World. Right? <laughs> so. And I think that's dope that like a lot of people that were on a D2S, it's like now they're, you know, doing their own creative ventures. And and it would be really dope to see what that sort of tree looks like. Yeah, yeah. A really good friend of mine, um, also a friend of Ariel and Aris, is Algia, you know, mm-hmm. from, yeah. from who used to do Sweetbreads. And yeah. now he's working with uh, No Such Thing. And, he, and yeah. he's he's doing his thing. And he was an avid uh, D2S supporter. Yeah. You know, and he's maybe five to ten years younger than us. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just really cool to, to see, like, like, he's an example of that. Yeah. You know? Um, totally. Another friend of mine, Drew, you know, he was he was an intern and now he's, you know, doing his thing with fashion and he was the DJ for Dom Kennedy for many years. And, you know, so so that makes me feel good as well. Right. You know? And a lot of people don't don't you know, it's, it's being that unsung hero. I mean, I don't want to, you know, pop my own collar like that. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, it does feel good to be like that unsung hero to be like, oh, we we helped spawn that generation of of. The generation before, yeah. you know, after us. That's know? so hip hop, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's so hip hop, though. But, but let's backtrack a little bit, though. Yeah. So, for those of our listeners at home that don't really know what you did with D2S, uh, hi, mom. Uh, hey, mom. What, uh, hey, what was mom. your role there at D2S? It's, it's hard to say. Um, the brunt was definitely carried by Ariel and Aris. They were sort of the creative. Right. I was one of the you know original people who helped start it. You know, I did a little bit of editing, you know, in the beginning, but, you know, most of that was taken over by Ariel. And, you know, he, he was a master at it. And um, Ariz held down the design, which was dope. Mm-hmm. I kind of took on a role as interviewer. Like, I got a lot of, the, I did a yeah. lot of the interviewers. Yeah, so yeah. that was something I, I like to do. Like, I like to talk with the artist face to face. I kind of like to, you know, ask them the questions that are maybe a little bit off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of be like the unconventional interview, like the informative interview. Right. You know, because I feel like with a lot of these artists, like, you know, I had personal just history with in terms of like, you know, how they made me feel or, you know, them helping me get through things. So mm-hmm. that was really dope to get the chance to interview some people that I, I really idolized, you know. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, that's a good way to look at it, too, is that another great aspect of it being public access and thus being like very personal is that you, you don't have a format that you have to follow. You don't have to ask certain questions. Right. You're coming straight from the heart. You're like, okay, I'm, I want to ask so-and-so about this because I was really into this one thing they did back in the day and whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, you didn't have a producer up in your ear. Like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We got no one dancing in all the videos. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come to death yeah. row. <laughs> so it was more on the talent side. It, you did light production work behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when it came to set building, like a lot of stuff in the set was. Oh mine. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it was it was a it was a collaborative effort. And then, yeah. You know, Star joined, Melo joined, uh-huh. you know, our friend Zach, who was off camera, he did some things, and we had people kind of come in and out. Good friend Mike, I don't want to forget anyone. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had um, a really, really good crew, and, um, you know, it, it was a fun time. It was a fun time, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and I think we got heavy throwing the parties and stuff like that, and I think the parties was more, in a sense, if you could relate it to, like, something of today, like, that was, like, getting the likes and the retweets, you know, because right. that was sort of like the immediate validation. It's right. Like, it's like when you see like a line outside of a party you're throwing, those are like the likes and retweets. Hey, <laughs> I like that. I yeah. Like that. yeah. yeah. No, that's real though. Yeah, that's how you kind of needed that immediate validation. And I feel like the parties did that for us. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, maybe it did take us 
off of the end goal, you know, because, you know, we, we got heavy into the parties. We're doing like weeklies and monthlies, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, well then he started to become a party promoting crew. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't mad because I was DJing. So it's like, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not trying to put the brakes on it, but at the same time, I mean, in hindsight, you know, maybe we should have had a more thought out plan in like sustaining the programming element of it. Right. But, you know, the parties were, were giving us, you know, a little bit of money and, um, you know, they're just fun to do. I mean, we were in our right. 20s, so, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah you know, trying Hell to turn yeah. up. So that, so that was fun, too, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and it, it made me a better DJ just doing it on a regular basis. Right, and, the know. consistency. Yeah. yeah it's so, so interesting because, like, I'm kind of going through similar growing pains with my crew up in Sacramento. Okay. Then we have a podcast, and, you know, we're trying to be a part of the Sacramento cultural fabric, right? Yeah. But then, you know, we're also in the party lane, too, yeah. as just another avenue, and that's there's always that balance of yeah. reminding ourselves yeah. of the bigger picture versus, oh, there's that party at the end of the week, you know, right, or right. that party at the end of the month. And so, you got to be conscious, hyphy. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be kind. Gotta be woke, Hyphy. Woke, okay. How how would you navigate that differently today? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think I think part of it is like, well, you know, you got to give the people what they want. You know, like yeah. if, if that's what people are coming out to see, then that's you know that's what you should do. You know, um, it's it's really hard to say. I think one thing that we should have done, we should have tried to groom a new generation and oh, to yeah. try to keep it going in some way, you know, yeah. you know, to speak on beat rhymes in life, you know, beat rhymes in life was a therapeutic program, you know? Right. Yeah. So it was like, you know, there was kids that used to write rhymes and we used to record raps, but the whole point of it was therapy, you know? Right. Yeah. And at the end, at the end of each session, we would have like a, a proper close. We, we call it a closing out session. Yeah. You know, because that's important. It's important to know that, Things are coming to an end. Things are going to look different the next day. So, you know, because I think in that age group that we were dealing with the BRL, like when you're dealing with high school, yeah, you know, there's just a lot of transitions. You know, it's like, you know, school ends or, you know, the summer program ends or, you know, a lot of the kids we were dealing with, they may have moved out from another area to a new area or they were getting, you know, they were in foster care. They had to, you know, it, it was just a lot of transition that these kids were going through more than. Uh, most kids, I think kids in general have a lot of transition at that time, but right. but these kids had a, a little bit more, you know. Um, but whenever that happened, we were always intentional on in having um, just just a, a therapeutic closeout session to to just you know in the process and you know welcome what's ahead, be it individually or collectively, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And um and I wish that we had a group close out and we kind of had some sort of like, okay, so let's think of what D2S is gonna look like from here on out, even though we may not be working on it every day, you know? Right. So that wasn't there. So I think we didn't really have anything to kind of like keep it maintained, you know? Right. Um so you know, and it's something that we could still do. Like, I think REL still has all the tapes and, yeah. you know, all the raw footage. And, yeah. and it's crazy. Like, we were talking about it semi-recently and, like, just the amount of people that have passed away, you know, yeah. that we've interviewed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, from Jacka to Fife to, um, you know, Sean Price. Um, you know, we there's been a, a good number of people that have passed away, you know? Yeah. So that kind of shows the time that's passed and also the, the importance of what, what we were doing in a sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it's still good to appreciate it for like it being a moment in time. Yeah. It would have been great to see, uh, like new episodes of distortion aesthetic on YouTube in 4k, but, (laughs) but you know, it's also, it's just nice to like, as another creative, just to look back on it and just knowing that that existed. Right. right, So that's sometimes that's good enough. Yeah. Cause I think that's the thing is that being a creative you understand like the process of output, you know, yeah. and it's hard. And, and I feel like, like, for example, Tribe Called Quest, like, yeah. you know, oh, we want a new album or yeah. they like, we want a new album. Like, where's the new, sh-? you know, yeah. and, you know, Jay-Z he said, you know, if you want my old shit, you know, buy my old album. And I think yeah. that's the perfect way of saying it. It's like, yeah, we can't always create just on the drop of a hat. You know, you can't tell a comedian to be funny, you know, right, it's right, like, right, right. it just doesn't work that way, you know, so. Right. Um, I was trying to come around to like where we started, but well, um. <laughs> I kind of, it seemed like you were kind of going to a point where you're saying like, as an artist, you almost feel like you're never done doing something, though. Yeah, low key. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's there's always something left to do. 
there's like that inner perfectionist and like inner critic and in all of us that's telling us like, you know, maybe I just like wanted to, like you wanted to explore so many other things knowing what you know now. Yeah. But I mean, that's sort of why you create things anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, One of my favorite quotes is a great artist knows when he's done, you know? And I think that could be applied to personal projects or like, yeah. you know, quick projects. Oh, anything, or yeah. Anything, you know? Yeah. So I, I always think about that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think about that a lot with design work, you know, because it's like when you're doing a flyer or something or doing a poster, it's like, when is enough enough? And then you sort of hit that last stroke and it's like, okay, it's done, you know? And 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 you kind of have to be okay with that, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and also in terms of like completion, another quote that I heard that was really good, uh, my man from Taylor Heritage said it that, he just said it on Instagram one time and I was like, wow, that's a really good one. He said, uh, finish is better than perfect, you know? So that's something I've been adopting lately, yep. uh, just to have totality to some of the the creative ventures. It, I think that's important, you know, because, you know, I have a couple projects that just sort of, I just kind of stopped doing. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't want to have that. I want to have something where it's like, I can complete it and I could feel okay on it and I could have the credits roll up and, yeah. and, and, and that's it, you know? So <laughs> instead of like, oh, let me get this last interview or let me uh, make sure I, like, I need a couple yeah. more scenes yeah. of B-roll or, you know, it, so yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, because you do so much shit, man. <laughs> like, like, so like when we were, we were just reading your bio and it's like, well, Patrick was saying it earlier, I was just like, oh yeah, he has all these different projects. Like yeah. to be so prolific, you have to know when to stop, you know, yeah, or yeah. like when, the, when a, when a project is done, you know, like. Well, you know, prolific is a strong word. And, oh, yeah. You know, like, well, one thing I, I appreciate really, that, you know. <laughs> you know, it's real, it's real. Well, one thing I do appreciate about uh, your creative work is just you're able to move through so many different disciplines. You're a polymath, you know, because yeah, right. I met you through DJing. I mm -hmm. met you through music. And I remember like seeing your writing on social. For example, you wrote a great piece about the origin of your name. Word. And I was just like, yo, this motherfucker can write. Oh, <laughs> like, God damn, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no. And, and it was just like <laughs> like seeing seeing you move through different disciplines. And that's when I found out you did video for Bleacher Report. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's not just music. Yeah. Do you feel that like why do you have all these different skills? I guess that's the question I'm asking. <laughs> and, and to see you progress through photography. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people don't know this, but before DJing, I, I was a drummer. Like okay. in middle school, high school, I played drums. And yeah. I was in marching band, jazz band, uh, orchestra. You know, so it's like I have I have a trained background in percussion. Yeah. Even when I came to SF State, you know, I was a music major, you know, and I even played a little bit there, you know. But yeah. I ended up venturing into, you know, into DJing and into more like... I don't want to say electronic music, but just more the digital format, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to answer, like, why I, you know, stopped playing drums and then started DJing. It's like, because after that, I, did, I didn't really drum anymore. You know, my heart wasn't there, you know? And then DJing was a big thing for me. And I think the core principles of these things are really the driving force. You know, for example, DJing, um, for me, the core principle—it's—it's it's sharing music and right. serving people. Like right. that's my—that's my motto when it comes to DJ. And I think like when it starts to get away from that, like that's when it starts to, you know, maybe it's something that I don't want to do anymore. You know, right? And right. you know, but but I think like ultimately, it's it's sustainability when it comes to like artistic ventures or like writing. You know, things yeah. like I want things that it's like. These things will always represent me, you know? Right. Like, one thing that always kind of drove me up the wall, like when Twitter came out and people were, like, sort of talking reckless on Twitter. And, yeah. and you know, I was like, oh, it's, it's just Twitter. It's all good. It's just Twitter. You know? Yeah. And it's just, I never understood that because it's just like, you're saying that. Like, you're putting that out there in the world. It doesn't mean it has to be, like, polished and scripted, but, like, it needs to represent you, you know? If it doesn't, it's like... It's like I would never say something that I'd want to like. I mean, you always say something that you may want to like retract, but like I wouldn't want to say something that doesn't represent me, you know? Right. So I think it's that simple principle in a sense, you know? Yeah. You know, and there's also like how people say like, oh, I don't want people to see my Twitter. I don't want people to like see my Facebook photos or, right. you know, I, I don't, you know, it's like there's nothing that I have on Facebook that, you know, my mom wouldn't read, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Like I don't, I don't, you know, and I think like in a younger generation, it's like you may you know, do things on social media that are, like, kind of just representative of how you're feeling that moment, where I think that's cool, you know, but I also think that it has to have more of a lasting quality to it, you know? Totally. 
And like with my mixtapes that I made, like I, I've, you know, I've probably like disseminated like well over 20 mixtapes, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I always wanted my mixtapes, it's like, yo, you could bump this now, you could bump it two years from now, you bump it five years, right. 20 years, you know? I didn't want to be like, yo, this is, you know, the fall 2006 yeah. jams, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I may not want to hear Lumi D in, you know, 2012, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> 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 that, was a, that was that was the first thing I, I don't even know if that was 2006 y'all can fact check that but you, but, but you know the point is is like I felt like there was DJs where it was like yo this is the hot shit yo, yeah, you know yeah. but I'm like by the time I get it out there those songs are old and they're on the radio 20 times a day and you don't want to hear them anymore so with me it's like yo I want to make sure that there's sustainability in the writing in the design you know and um, yeah so I think that kind of speaks to why I guess I take pride in the things that I, that I do, you know? Right. That's like a very like artistic approach to it. I don't even want to say it's like an old school way of thinking. I, mm-hmm. I think it's just like uh, you're very conscientious of yeah. like your, not so much of your viewers, but how your viewers might view it. You right. Know? right. And uh, I think that that's a very important aspect of being an artist is that you have to know how to navigate and you have to like balance out maybe the expectations of your audience Mm-hmm. But also to know, like, this is my statement, too. And, yeah. like, this is what I want to what I want to be a portrayal of me. Right. I don't want to sound hella old or anything and, and seem like that that's lost on this generation. Out of touch. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, I think it's Millennials. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I feel like it's uh, the world moves too quickly now that, like, mm-hmm. people sometimes get too caught up in that to, like, take a moment to be conscious of that you know, be conscious of their message and all those things. So yeah. that's good. I think that's great to like hold yourself accountable in that way. Yeah. You know? And a lot of it I do for myself too, you know, right. Just as like a, you know, a diary or like a, right. a docket or something like that. Cause I don't really have anything that I keep like privately that, you know, sort of documents my process or my travels, but like yeah, Instagram yeah. does a good job of that. And like, you know, my writing does. Because when I wrote that piece about my name, like, that mm-hmm. was when my grandfather passed away. So mm-hmm. I kind of felt like, you know, going back to BRL, it's like that was kind of the transitional moment for me, you know, just to kind of like, you know, just to kind of let that go. And, you know, although my grandfather and I weren't close, you know, we weren't as close as I would have liked us to be, you know, I saw him once in the last, you know, 30 years of his life. Our, our relationship was estranged. So although I had you know, feelings that maybe weren't the most favorable towards him. It's like, you know, lose your grandfather that, that shares your unique name. It, it, you know, it's, it's a process, you know. And, of course, my dad, you know, he he has a different process as well, you know. I mean, long story short, I mean, his wife pretty much barred his entire family from seeing him, in a sense, you know. Like, you know, even, you know, his own children, in a sense. Like, she was like the gatekeeper between him, you know. And um, he kind of enabled that, you know, so um, not to, you know, not to get too much into it, but like that, that was the issue. The fact that like, like, how could you let somebody like not, you know, keep you from talking to your kids and your grandkids and your, you know, so, so, you know, so, and and maybe I'll understand it when I, when I'm a little older, you know, (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, so, so there just, there's, there was a lot of feelings that, that, uh, you know, that I had to get out, you know? Yeah. So. And, well, that's what I appreciated about the piece. It was very reflective and yeah. it felt very, um, it felt sincere, you know, yeah. which is not, you can't say that ab- about a lot of, you know, uh, hashtag quote unquote content, <laughs> you right, know? Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, and that's why yeah. I was like, yo, you're a strong writer, you know? Like, it's not Thank just you. the technical Appreciate shit, but like it, the man. message, the intent comes across in your work. Word. Thank you, man. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be interesting, you know, when you go back in 30 years, you know, when you're, you know, you're an older man to revisit the work that you've done and, oh, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Like you said, you don't keep a running diary or like a personal journal, but Mm -hmm. like what you have is the work, you know? And uh, I think I might be similar in that sense where a lot of my reflection is like internal. It would probably help if I documented it somehow, you know, but I look back on creative projects. That's what I can use to get a sense of where my head was at during that time, you know? Yeah, and I think it's funny because, like, I thought about this the other day, but everything that I've worked on from mixtapes to, yeah. you know, photography or design, it's like, it's either like, yo, this shit is trash, or yeah. like, like, yo, I was I was kind of on some shit back then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no middle ground. Yeah, there's no, there's no middle ground. ground. Like, sometimes I, I hear, I hear a mixtape, and I'm just like, man, like, I was just... Yeah. 
I was in the zone. Like, yeah. like I can't cut like that anymore. Like, I cuts were sharp. And this. Yeah. And other times I'm like, God damn. Like, I was, you know. And, and then other times you you appreciate it because it's like, you're just like, oh, that was cute. Like, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was learning. You know, I was, I was learning how to, how to, how to do Photoshop. And that was my first yeah. flyer. So that was cute. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, and I, and I think it's funny because, like, you know. When you, when I when I when I create something, it's like I think it's dope every time, you know. But yeah. it, it it has like I think time has to kind of be the, the the true factor, of, the judge. Yeah, it's the true judge yeah. of if, if it was dope or not, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's how you know when you're done. When you're like, ah, right. oh, this shit's dope, you know. <laughs> then you can step away. <laughs> shit's dope, and then be like, all right, I'm done. My art is done. You slam the laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah, it's important to look back and just reflect on those things because I think that. Uh, that also helps you learn more about yourself too, right? Yeah, because that's why for Instagram, I'm, I'm pretty adamant in keeping everything there. Like I know some people, it's like, oh, let me post this, let me delete it, let me post it. Let me. Yeah. You know, but it's like I think that that's my only record, you know. And yeah. I think, and, and and I think it's interesting. And I, and I thought about this recently too, because like, you know, me being, you know, I'm 38. You uh-huh. know, it's cool that I have that record now. You know, yeah. And, and I didn't have records when I was 18. To, yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, shit. I mean, you can go back to my youngest years to, you know, maybe age 30 when things started to get a little bit more technological. And like, you know, like in terms of pictures from high school, I got maybe two or three, you know, yeah. like, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Man, one video, you know, maybe that, right. you know. So it, I think that like now I think that it's, it's, you know, almost to a fault. It's cool that like I could kind of like keep that personal record just just for, for memories and I, it's and it's and like I said, when I say to a fault, it's like you don't want to live in that time, but like, yeah, you know, just to kind of see like where your mind was, like you could see your hardest times, you could see when things were going well, and um, it's always kind of cool to see, you know. Um, but but you know, it is it is kind of a, a slippery slope because you don't want to like, you know, regress. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to do you know, and it, and it's hard because like you know, when I come back to San Francisco, I kind of feel a lot of sort of feelings coming up you know because you know there's a lot that happened in the 15 years that i was here from yeah. relationships to you know people i knew places i knew that, that yeah. maybe aren't there anymore that have changed that have moved on for whatever reason yeah and i feel like my last couple of years in san francisco were you know weren't the greatest because i felt you know they were, they were kind of lonely you know like i felt like i didn't really have a community that i really you know felt like i needed and and i think a lot of it was also me just sort of being reclusive as well sure you know maybe more than i should have but um you know sometimes you don't want those feelings to like come back when you come back into the city too you know you want to kind of see it in a new light you know and and i think like the studio like you guys doing this like it kind of it definitely you know sort of reinvigorates that that passion where it's like okay people in the city that you know yeah. Do, a, do a creative thing yeah. You, know? <laughs> yeah you know a lot of other people too you know so it's really dope to see you know Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, that was a lot of the discussion for us. Like, so we we were talking about doing this for about a year before we actually put an episode out, but we had hella test episodes. And what Patrick was touching on earlier, a big part for us is process. You know, there has to be a reason for us to do this shit. Right, right. And so I just started freelancing, and Patrick's been freelancing for a while. A while. Mm -hmm. A long while. When we got together. And, you know, these are just bar conversations that were like, no, let's document this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And so this whole podcast, it's not so much an interview, but just documenting a conversation. Right. And so for me, like, it helps, oh, if you intend to have just a thoughtful conversation once a week, that can power me through, you know, the (laughs) shitty dark times, you know? Well, I mean, also, too, it's like there were different events which we don't really have to get into that kind of sparked our need to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think through doing it and through our process of like figuring out how we want to talk to people, what kind of voice we wanted to have, we realized that the purpose of it was so much deeper than just like reacting to something happening in the news or whatever. Right. It's very much in line with uh, like how you think of doing things. Cause I think for John and I, I think creatively we're kind of stagnating a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that we were going through our own personal things here and there. And um, it made us want to reflect a little bit more, mm-hmm. but also not just to reflect personally, you know, where we can do that on our own. We can get together and like sit at the park and like talk if we wanted to <laughs> once a week. But I think inherently in the creative side of ourselves, we wanted to share that. 
yeah. and to learn. Ultimately, we realize that we learn through it. Yeah. We open that discussion up. We build a community. And I can speak for John probably that it's made me feel so much closer to the community that we've established here yeah. than I've had ever before, you know? So, dope, dope. um, yeah. So it's been like a very like emotional, I don't actually not emotional, <laughs> I don't know emotional yeah. is the word, but it's, it's been a great experience. It's yeah. Really good experience. Yeah. And, and we're only getting started though. So yeah. Dope, dope, yeah. Dope. That's cool. But to kind of go back a little bit though, those feelings you had a few years ago, was that sort of what prompted you to leave or what made you want to go back to LA? Oh, man, it, it, it's it's a lot of things. I think that was part of it. I mean, I think the price of living was was sure. an issue. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, this is a personal thing, but, you know, San Francisco just doesn't have the black population that I need. You know what I'm saying? That's real. <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, it's tough because I feel like whenever I brought that up, people were like, oh, you got to go to Oakland. And I'm just like, yeah, but I want San Francisco to be my home, you know, right. and I want to be able to find what I want here. And you know, no disrespect to Oakland at all, but like I, I always, um, you know, San Francisco was a place I identify with, you know, um, and I love having the Oakland vibe because Oakland reminded me a lot of L.A. or it still does. But San Francisco is just such a unique place, you know, just topographically and, you know, architecturally and the weather, the, the you know, it was just such a dope place. And um, I just wish I could have found that community here. Yeah. In the later years, you yeah. know. And it was personal for you, too. I yeah. Mean, you mentioned yeah. all the, the architecture, topography, but also it's just personal. For someone to just say, oh, you should just go to Oakland, that seems kind of low-key dismissive to me. You know, because yeah. it's like, yeah. well, no, because you were you you knew you wanted it here. Right, you know? right, right. Like, I remember growing up and just, like, there being a lot much more of, like, a mixed population everywhere I went. All the right. schools I went to, yeah, all the places I hung out. And yeah, I've seen the I've seen the same thing, you know, where it just gotten a little bit homogenized. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. but there's pockets though, you know. It's like I think I, that's why I've stuck around at least. You know? Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the thing is I felt like earlier like hip hop was such a a unifying thing for me, you know, where you know, and a lot of people that are into hip hop in the Bay Area they're not black, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's like. It's still cool because it's like that was the identifiable thing and that was enough, you know? Yeah. You know, but I think when hip hop became, it, it's always going to, hip hop is always going to be a part of my life. But when it became like less of a focal point, then maybe I wanted more black people in social settings or like, you know, definitely in work. I mean, we could talk about Bleach Report. <laughs> you know, that's a good transition there yeah. because, because, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's like when I, when I worked there, it's like I was the only. I worked there for about two years. Yeah. There was another black woman that worked there. Yeah. And I was the only black male. Um, they hired another black woman. They hired another black male. That and he, and he had left before I left. But the point is, is out of maybe 300 people, I was the only black wow. male there. Yeah. Which is a bit troubling for a place like that because it's like the subject matter that you're dealing with. You're dealing yeah. with mostly... Yeah athletes who are black yeah number one and number two it's like just the digital voice of bleach report is that of like you know yo check out the fly kicks you know yeah yeah it's a little you know like the voice is just very hip and like yeah like very just just urban you know oh and, sure sure and yeah. you think that like the homie is <laughs> is sending out those tweets but <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, nah, the homie that's sitting out those tweets is is uh, you know right, is, that graduated right, from Wesley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say that the homie that worked in uh, social media, he was very cool at, at that time. So. Yeah, but but at the same time, it's it's like you know it, it was it was very voyeuristic to kind of see the way that's like let's take the culture, let's take the the voice, right? Um, let's talk about things that. You know, it maybe you talked about in the barbershop and sort of put it in this site. Right. It's like, okay, it's like the demographic was mostly white. So, did you have a lot of freedom when it came to that voice, or were you part of that? Well, well, where I worked, I was working on the video, and and back then the they said that video was the big you know content push, but social media has always been the big thing for them. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I was sort of a, a hired gun, if you will. You know, okay. Where, I just sort of had a job to sort of cut these video pieces and sure. you know ship them out. You know, mm -hmm. so, so yeah. that you know that was fine. That's kind of what a video editor does in a lot of these you know sort of right. content houses. It's like you're kind of just like a 
you're the guy that can cut the video. So yeah. it's like, make it look like this. Yeah. Ship so it on out, you you're know? not, not so, you don't really have input on the editorial side. Not too much. I mean, not right. as much as I, I would have liked to have. Not right. as much as I thought I was going to have. But yeah, it was interesting because I think, I mean, working at Bleach Report definitely made me a better editor because I was doing it every day, every day. Um, but, you know, it, it's also, um, it also showed me a side where, um, you know, it showed you that, you know, you saw who was getting the perks, you know, who was getting who was getting the full-time employment, you know, like, who, right, right, you know, because right. we were, we were contract employees, you know, so it's like, it, it's, it's, and that's interesting because I was listening to the podcast before and, um, you know, listening to your guys' podcast and, uh, excuse me, I forgot her name, but the woman that was on before you guys. Oh, is this um, Hedgen? Hedgen, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was listening to her and she was saying that freelance, it's like, it's the life we chose, you know, and it's, right. it's you know, and I think that that's important that we do choose that life, but I think also it's, on the flip side, sometimes we don't choose that life. And sometimes that life is sort of like given to us because we can't get our needs somewhere else, you know, because if Bleacher Report would have made me a full-time employee and paid me like a normal rate, then I'd probably still be there and still be pumping out those videos. And I would have been fine doing that. But like the fact that they sort of took an angle of like, oh, well, we'll pay you half of what normal video editors get paid you don't get the same perks you don't get the gym membership you don't get the you know the benefits you know you, you know what i'm saying like yeah because there's so much cutback in creative when it comes to you know not just bleach report but just other places too i'm sure mean, it's, yep. it's like now we're kind of forced to be that freelancer you know where it's like like damn i didn't really want it to be like this but it kind of yeah. has to be like yeah. this now you yeah. know so keep in mind this is bleach report you know, four years ago. So things could look a lot different there now. I mean, just giving them the benefit of the doubt. But you know. <laughs> No, I think it's, uh, you know, my, my experience working um, as a creative on the tech side of things too, it's, um, it, it's, I guess you can say it's, it's problematic across the board, mm-hmm. but it's just, I also think that there's like different ways of thinking there, you know, from a creative side and a technical side they're still trying to negotiate that language properly to like have a proper working relationship. It's still a struggle, I think, you Mm -hmm. know, but I feel you on that a hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, interesting. (laughs) So after you left there though, like did you move to LA after that? Um, yeah, I was freelancing a little bit. Then, then, you know, I moved to LA Yeah. and, um, and then I started getting work in LA. I, I work for the city of Inglewood now. I worked for NFL Network, which was also also cool, but very interesting as well. Yeah, um, it's actually extremely diverse at NFL Network, which I wasn't expecting. But it's also like extremely corporate, you know. Like, yeah, it's like you got to clock in at this hour, clock in at that hour. There's yeah, yeah. No, there's no wiggle room there, you know. Yeah. So like it was it was very rigid, very corporate. Like the the like the agreements that you had to read and the papers you had to sign. Like it was like heavy because you know they're. You know, especially with a lot of the things that are going on with NFL, with the concussions to, you know, the sort of the weirdness that's going on with, sure. <laughs> you want to call it that, with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And, then, and then also... The weird, weirdness <laughs> is light, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 hmm. Emotion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but like with that, and then, and then also with the network itself, they're going right. through a lot of issues with former employees sexually harassing allegedly you know so it's it's just like to work in that environment is interesting because you're really a part of this thing that's doing a lot of things that you may not really agree with you know right but at the same time you know every sunday you know you watch football and then yeah, i was a huge yeah. fan and you know my fandom has has fallen off greatly the last year really yeah but it was interesting working for a company like that, you know. Yeah. And I'm not bad mouthing them sure. internally, but because everything that I'm talking about is things that are, yeah, you know, right out in the open. So. Oh, and it's fully your right to criticize. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think it's uh, it's important to have uh, perspective on that. You know, so it's yeah. it's also just good for you to be like a conscious person, but also to have worked in those settings and be able to come out of it saying, you know what, like I like this, I didn't like that, right? Because right. yeah. I think that so often 
professionally people just sweep that under the rug you know it's like Mm -hmm. i think we're living in an age where we all have to really hold ourselves accountable in all facets so whether you do something with that information or not it's still important for you to as a human being just to like say okay i'm about that i'm not about that right 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 and And just draw that line yeah definitely man and i think i think too i think i think being black it's interesting because like like you don't want to be that militant person at the workplace but at the same time it's like yo that shit ain't right like it's like would i call myself militant not really but like at the same time it's like i look at everything from the lens of a black person every every single thing sure yeah (laughs) you know and um and this is a funny story because like um this is at bleach report and, you know, I feel like when, you know, when you see, like, the Dove commercial or you see, like, you know, the, the Nivea commercial, yeah. whiteness is purity. Is you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you see all that, you know, you're like, yo, how the fuck that happened? Yo, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I would have did this. I would have did that. Yeah. But it, it was interesting because I saw something that happened at Bleach Report and NFL, which yeah. <laughs> I can speak on both. But um, in NFL, I did actually speak on it, and I could explain that later. But at Bleach Report... I kind of got my hands tied in the situation. It was a Christmas party, right? Right. Basically, we were given money, you know, like we were broken up into like maybe five or six groups. We were given $2,000 each by the company to use that to build a Christmas theme, you know, in a section of the office, you know? Does that make sense? Right. So, you know, you could build like a party theme or something, you know, whatever. So, So the theme that our group came up with was was Luda Christmas. And it's like, and the person, I mean, bless her heart, she was extremely nice. Um, but, you know, she she was like, oh, we should have, you know, we should serve fried chicken and serve Hennessy and we should have, you know, hip hop. You know? And I was just like, yo, like this, this, and like they did like a t-shirt that had like his Afro face smiling and it said Merry Luda Christmas. And I was just like, like, this is, this is not, the biz like i'm not yeah. you know yeah yeah <laughs> and you know but but everyone's just getting so hyped about it and it's yeah. like i didn't want to be like yo that ain't right let me explain to y'all why this sure. ain't right but, you know and they said like well you dj why don't you do the music and i and i was like and like at the group i was like uh sure uh, yeah you know and and then like later on i pulled her aside and was like you know I, you know, I don't agree with this. It's not really like my thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really think it's right. You know, yeah. and she's like, well, you know, they do it in Atlanta. They do little Christmas in Atlanta. Oh and, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and, and I was like, you know, that, that might be true. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. And I just said, I'm, I'm just going to remove myself from the group and like not participate, you know? Right. So it was like on one end, like, I would have saw that from the outside and been like, no, nah, I'm putting a stop to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But then it's like when you see the 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 train in motion and you see like everybody just like, you know, getting involved and like, oh, let's do this, let's do that. And, you know, I didn't want to be that person to right. where it's like, you know, just killing everyone's fun and be like, no, yeah. this is why it's wrong because it's exploitation, it's this, and right. you, you know, we're partying, you know, it's just, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like play that role, you know, so... So that was that was an interesting kind of like realization of just the vast sort of outnumbering that I felt, you know, because it's like had there been two or three other black people, it would have been more of a like like yo, you feel me on this? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But but it's like to not have those allies, it's like that's kind of how those things go down, you know. Because yeah. even if you do sort of take things up the flagpole, which I did in some cases, it's like it's tough when you don't have other people that are like, you know, that under, really understand, you know? Yeah. Sure. Um, just they have the, to be able to empathize. Like, right, you know, right. if they don't have that starting point, then there's no, yeah, there's no way for them to find any type of <laughs> like reasonable solution for yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it goes to like the importance of music and just like what it really means and what it says and like how we're, you know, sort of using this black voice, but it's like we don't adopt black people in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and, and right. like my whole thing is like with, with Marshawn Lynch or like newly, you know, elected sort of personality, Cardi B, you know? It's like, it's like, oh, Marshawn Lynch is so funny. Oh, we love Marshawn Lynch. Where it's like, Marshawn Lynch is just a guy from Oakland that likes to yeah. run his mouth a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we put a microphone in front of him and he says funny things and, now he's like the toast of the town. But yeah. it's like there's 
a bunch of people like Marshawn Lynch, you know, in Oakland, in other yeah. cities that don't get those opportunities. So it's it's just it just makes me feel a little strange when it's like, yo, let's fall in love with Cardi B, who is like this loud, outspoken Dominican when there's like millions of those in New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can go on any street corner and find a loud, outspoken Dominican and 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 she could be, you know, I'm not saying Cardi B isn't special, but she's not unique in a sense, you know? Right. So I don't know. I just think it's it's like in general, I think it's about appreciating what diversity can do for organizations, for corporations, um, for at least tech companies. I just think that like we're such a great asset that isn't getting used. And yeah. like it's in a, in a long, make a long story short, it's forcing us to become freelancers. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know? it's so it's so it's so backward, too, because. All right, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about just strictly numbers, it's better for business if you're more inclusive and yeah. you know you have a more diverse staff. You know, right, it's right. like if you just want to look at it in numbers, it'll help your business. You yeah. know, it's been interesting just sort of navigating that corporate world and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and just seeing like what I've been uh, exposed to or what I've been like able to you know sort of be a part of, be it like a corporate entity or something. Yeah little bit more freelance but um but working for the city of inglewood is dope because it is you know mostly brown and black people and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the people i work with are, are really cool shout out to tommy and kd uh, but you know it's it, it's um it's it's a fun a fun group you know and like there's a lot of understanding there that that yeah. uh you know even though inglewood's going through a lot of changes that that um is interesting because i think they are seeing but they haven't really experienced yet yeah I think that's kind of another story, but like, you know, hopefully Inglewood can still keep that same vibe that it has, you know, population at least, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, sorry, we're going off on a tangent. But no, uh, no, no. This is what <laughs> this is about, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think creativity is, is always key, you know? You always want to just like stay motivated, creative, all that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, that is kind of going along with what I was saying earlier. Um, in, inherently being creative is about having a voice. So, you know, you have to like uh, understand what you're trying to say and um, just be able to push that through in a different format, be it, you know, video, audio, mm -hmm. any kind of medium you can think of. So, um, yeah, I kind of want to relate it back to, uh, I mean, let's talk about your photography for a little bit. Sure. Just because, um, yeah. Was that something you have you been doing photography for a long time, or is that uh, something you picked not up recently? Really, it's a, it's a little bit of a newer thing. Yeah, um, to be honest, I got a DSLR camera. I mean, I, I, I you know I was doing film like when I was a kid. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a little box camera and shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like I think accessibility has been a big part. You know, yeah. because like DSLR, it is easier. You know, yeah. so it's like. Well, I guess before we get into that, sure. Like, I mean, you did take pictures when you were younger, and then like you worked in video and audio and all that stuff. But what made you pick up a camera again? Well, I think it was more about video because video okay. has always been my thing. Like that's what I went to school for. Yeah. So that was always the driving force. And then it's like, oh well, shit, I got a camera, so I might as well start taking some pictures too. You know? Yeah. So, so you know, I just, I, just, I just wanted to really learn the camera as well, and, um, and I think like. I really wanted to, uh, with photography, like I really wanted to sort of document just things around me after time, you know, yeah. because I noticed things would change. Like, for example, there'd be like a sign that I always liked. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I noticed the sign was gone the next day because they're, you know, tearing down the building or something. It's like, damn, I wish I would took a picture. Or, you know, I feel like it's like that sort of visual diary in a sense, you know, to kind of like, you know, that I kind of always want to have with me now because mm -hmm. I, I feel like I didn't really have that um, you know, some in some of my more, you know, a more active years, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a lot more, you know. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I wish I wish I did have a camera back then. I think yeah. I think that's my only regret is that I didn't really, you know, I, I started kind of like I missed a, a good chunk of it. But yeah. but at the same time, you know, it, it's it's dope that like you know DSLRs make it so easy now, or digital cameras make it easy to just sort of like. You you have you you can learn quicker you know you could you know you, there's a lot more room for error and um, you know which which switching over to DJing it's like that's why I I never want to discourage anybody from wanting to DJ because it's like 
if it's easier to do it now, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I did wax, but it's like, that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're starting DJing now, it's like, you know, just use what's out there, you know, yeah. use what's at your disposal, you know? Yeah. Uh, Music and photography and images are, they're just a language, you know? So it's hmm. like kind of what you're saying is that digital has allowed us just to speak that language more quickly, more fluidly now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I remember when Instagram first came out, right. all my photography buddies were just like, oh, our jobs are at stake. Like right, right, everyone's right. a photographer now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, that was that, that conversation is like hella old now, but um, I still have a job. Right. Right? <laughs> so it's like, I don't really think, I think they were overreacting a little bit too much back then. If, if anything, sure, yeah, there, people can call themselves a photographer more, more so now, but I'm fine by that, you know, because I yeah. think it's just that um, coming back to being creative and like having a voice and sharing that voice, it's easier to share that voice when more people can speak that same language. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always looked at DJing and photography in the same lens and that it's like it's sharing something. There's right. it's right. between you and another person, I mean, you and, and a select group of people uh, sharing something. So, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's great. <laughs> with uh, photography, you know, I think, or with with Instagram specifically, um, you know, it, it does sort of bastardize photography in a yeah. way where it just makes yeah. it so so easy. But at the same time, I think the community that that Instagram has, I mean, it does inspire you. You know, it does yeah. inspire you to see what other people are doing, to see mm -hmm. what other places look like. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that that is a driving force as well. Uh, and I think that's really dope because, you know, it's like if Instagram forces you to go out of your house to take some photos or if it forces you to go to another city or forces you to go to another country, it's like, because people are like, oh, you know, they just went over there for the gram. It's like, well, I mean, the point is they went over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they experienced something. So, yeah. I mean, you just don't want it to like, to drive your entire life, but it's yeah. like, the purpose of it is to be that motivator. And I think, like, that's, for better or worse, I mean, that, that's the world that we live in now, you know? Yeah. It's like we, we live in a world that is um, just the evolution is just becoming more technological. And, and we have to, like, use it and not let it control us, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I, I just think that it, it's dope to be able to be motivated just by you know, just by this simple app and following the certain people, yeah, and, you know, it's it's dope to see, you know. So, I think if you get that from it, then then that's more power to you and and what you're doing, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned like back in the day, wishing you had a camera at certain points in your life, mm -hmm. but I was even just thinking about it recently. Uh, it was my birthday back in January. Oh, cool! Happy and birthday. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had a party. Uh, I had a party here in the studio, and uh -huh. like. Uh, I didn't take a single picture the whole mm. time I was here, but all my friends collectively, they all took Instagram videos and like photos on their phones and stuff. And so like, I mean, I didn't get trashed, but definitely <laughs> there's some things about the night that are a little blurry. Right, right. And then it was like the next day, just getting a stream of text messages from like friends saying like, oh, I got this photo of you. And it's all these different perspectives yeah. and like, you know, ways of looking at it from their viewpoint. You know, I mean, granted, it's not like this amazing artistic event. It's just like my birthday. But it was interesting to see all my friends' perspectives on this same night, you yeah. know. So it probably is a much richer document of it than if I hadn't taken anything or if maybe there was one person who took pictures that night. So right. I appreciate that kind of similar to what you were saying. Yeah, I, I appreciate those things. It's really nice to be able to, to have that, you know, yeah. and to look back on it. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, in a year from now, a couple of years from now, I'll look back on that and be like, Oh, that was a really good time, you know? And like, right, uh, right. it'll fill me with good feelings. So cool. that's so interesting. Yeah. Like just the idea of communal documenting. Oh Yeah. Mm. The record night that John and I started, Cold Cuts Music Club, we don't have like an actual account for it or anything. There's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, but we have a hashtag that we've been using. And uh, every time I get ready to promo the night, I'll look back on that hashtag and just be like, oh, dang, that's crazy that Amp wore that costume on Halloween two years ago. Mm. It's like, oh, I remember when we <laughs> used to DJ at that other bar and then oh, remember when so-and-so came by and it's like, you just go down that list, you know, and it's just like, 
I or like I'll look back and I'll see a photo I didn't even see from like four years ago, and I'm right. like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> Seeing like those different viewpoints, it enhances my understanding of what that night was supposed to be about. And because yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's cold cuts was always like a very community oriented thing. Though obviously when John and I started it, we didn't know to what extent. So to be able to see how people responded to it from their own viewpoint, it magnified that and it allowed us to really take that in and be like, okay, cool. I got to keep this going. We got to keep this going. Yeah. You know? It allows you to really develop that empathy, Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, kind of to bring it back to your experience in the corporate world, which sounds like a lot of those folks don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're unable to see outside of their own lens, you know, how do you communicate your message to people that don't share the same perspective as you, you right. know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, for me, when I look at like, you know, a lot of the social ills in the world, like a lot of it is just due to lack of empathy. You know, you don't take it upon yourself to learn about other people or, you know, uh, what other people are going through. And that's why tangentially, like, that's why art is important. You know, it allows yeah. you to communicate your perspective, you know, so hopefully people develop that. empathy. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know? definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's dope. And and I got to yeah, think about it that way, but that's really dope. I never thought about it like that. What are you working on now aside from your photography? Uh, Any personal projects? Hmm, Let me think about that. (laughs) So there's a couple things that I need to start back up again. There's a couple things that I want to, you know, start up in general. So the Roy Ayers Project. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is something that I definitely want to finish. Uh, it's a project that I started in 2012. It was just basically to highlight the importance of Roy Ayers and uh, what he is to music. And um, I was heavy on it for a couple of years. And then I had some things happen, had some things go on in my personal life. And I just, I kind of just wanted to um, take a break from it. And then that break kind of lasted a lot longer than it should have. And then I, you know, then the self-doubt comes in and the kind of the apprehension comes in and then just yeah. and, and then just a lot of things that I guess festered in terms of like the thoughts that maybe prevented me from actually finishing it. Mm-hmm. They just kind of got a little bit bigger than they should have. And I, I say the Roy Ayers project is it's the car in front of my garage right now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, when you shine it up, it's going to look real nice. But, you know, it just needs it needs a little bit of work. So. But, you know, that car in front of the garage could be there for, you know, 20 years if you let it. So Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure <laughs> um, your relationship with it will change. Yeah. And to keep it 100% real, like, it keeps me up at night, literally, sometimes, yeah. you know. And it's like, I think about it. And a lot of it is just about doing it, you know. Yeah. And I've yeah. had people, you know, tell me frustratingly, you know, just do it. Just do it. So, and then sometimes, like, when people tell me, it's like, it makes me retract more sometimes. You know, I think that could have a reverse effect sometimes. But yeah. I, I think in general, I think that it's something that is super important. And uh, I consider Roy Ayers a friend and, and he's someone that I've, I've talked to many times and, yeah. um, you know, and I, and I think that he deserves it yeah. more than anything. And um, yeah. And, and I think sometimes it's the pressure that makes me feel like, damn, maybe I'm not worthy of doing it or maybe I'm, maybe it's not ready, but I think like, um, one of my good friends, Tomas, he's he's like my mentor who's to start a beat drums in life. Yeah. Um, along with Rob Jackson, um, he says, you know, you have to step into greatness, and I think that's mm-hmm. super important. You know, just to like, just to step into greatness, and to and and what I take that as is like when the moment is there, you have to perform and and be great and be that person that you know you can. So, uh, long story short, um, I definitely want to get it done. So, that's something that needs to get going. Uh, the other project that I was working on is called Artist Ammunition. I started that a couple of years ago. Um, I only did like four episodes with that, but um, what I want that to be is a um, sort of like what we're doing here, but it's just to promote artists of color yeah. and people who use their art as a form of resistance. Right. If you go to artistammunition.com, I talk to Josh Mays. I talk to a good friend of mine, Rob Trujillo, uh-huh. uh, who's a, who does children's illustration. Uh, Josh Mays is a famous artist in Oakland who has, you know, murals, things up, you know, talked to uh, a couple other people as well. Josh Picasso, uh, Gavin Grant. Um, so that's something I want to continue down in LA and that's kind of been on pause, but you know, it was just a way to kind of just highlight my friends and to work on my own sort of video production. But one thing I'm working on now, which is a real low key project is, um, 
something I just want to have on my personal site, and it's called Journalism and Essays Through Photography. Mm-hmm. And basically what that is is just sort of, it's just a way to like sort of write, you know, to use my writing and to use my photography just to sort of document through an essay, through journalism, through photography, you know. Um, so, for example, um, I went out on a Sunday in Lamert Park with a film camera with some black and white film and just shot on a Sunday afternoon. And then, like, so the purpose would be to post those photos and just to sort of, like, write an essay about it, like, what I was feeling, why I did what I did, what the photos mean to me. So it's just a way to kind of, like, intentionalize my shooting and to not just have it as, you know, that sort of, 12-hour Instagram post. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think I think it sort of goes back to that sort of that journalism element, yeah. the the longevity element, something that can live a little bit longer than like you know last a day or something. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So I want to do something like that, maybe like every you know once a month or something like that. So, you know, I went to DC a couple months ago and had the 50 millimeter lens on me. So, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of shot things in a perspective with my 50 millimeter yeah um so it could be like anything that's sort of just a narrow um aspect of of a you know point of view you know mm-hmm. um so and i also want to work on like portraitures and things like that like i want to have a, a studio space this year yeah uh upgrade my equipment things like that and, you know i mean just like everyone does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah, I, I think like um, those are the things I'm I'm really focused on now, and um, and you know DJing, you know I want to DJ more. Um, but I, I really said like 2018, it's really gonna be the year of the follow up for me. Uh. I think that's important because you know it's like we all have those conversations like yeah we gotta we gotta hang out yeah let's do yeah, this you know, yeah, you know? yeah but like I, I really wanna start calling up people and be like, yo, remember you said we were going to work together? Like, what do you yeah. got? Like, what do, what are we going to do? Go. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I want to try to follow up on every opportunity. And I'm sure someone's listening to me, <laughs> listening <laughs> to me right now. It's like, yo, you got to call me back. <laughs> like, you, me you got like call. 10 unread messages <laughs> in your inbox right now. <laughs> That's but, dope, man. But yeah, like I, I think, I think the follow up is important. So, um, and, 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 and to me, it's something that, you know, anyone could do it's like there's no talent in that there's no yeah there's no skill in that it's, it's the work yeah, yeah yeah and um that's like what my mom says it's like show up on time because it's like anybody could do that you know right yeah <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know you could be the, the no talented ass person there but if you show up on time and everyone else is late then you know just <laughs> 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 saying <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. man I, I appreciate it, man. I, I, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough, man. Seriously, it's just to to be recognized, even amongst just you know two people such as yourselves. I mean, I know you guys appreciate art. You appreciate the process, and um, you know you guys understand <laughs> yeah. understand what I go through, and, and you see the vision that I that I put out there. So. Um, I, I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you.